children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, a few weeks ago at Pentecost, where the church remembered the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, one of the high points in the history of redemption, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son is baptized. The one in whose name Christians are baptized with a few splashes of water, with a few words invoking the name of God in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, here in this church in your baptismal font or here. We enact a Christian ritual that has been going on for nearly 2,000 years. And we as Reformed confessors maintain that the children of the church ought to be baptized, that the children of the church belong. The little ones belong to the church and the congregation. We mark them out as different. Baptism distinguishes them from the children of unbelievers, we say. We say this child, when a child is presented for baptism, when you bring your children, when you've brought your children, when you witness the baptism of your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, then we say this child is not only a child of its parents, this child not only belongs to the Smiths or the Jones or the Van Jansons, it belongs to Emmanuel Church. More than that, this is a child of God. She must be incorporated into the Christian church. Incorporated just means brought into the body. Incorporation means brought into the body. Brought into the body of believers. So the child is born into a family, and then because of the promises of God is incorporated, brought into the body of believers, he belongs, she belongs, therefore she or he must be brought in. And in the baptism form that we read, we hear of the wonderful, gracious promises that Scripture teaches us that the Lord God has made to the children and to their parents and to all who love the Lord. So today I want to, with you, reflect on some of these truths. They're not just some facts about baptism, some truth about baptism, but I want to preach this this morning to you as congregation, to me, to each one of us, as a call for each one of us to be true to the Lord Jesus in our walk and our talk. So I would preach to you about the gracious promises of God. Your God makes gracious promises to the children of the church. We'll hear about two things, his call and our response. So the story we read in Acts 2 is well known. The news of the gospel, maybe it's not that well known to you, but it's a very well known story with Peter preaching to the people in Jerusalem, Pentecost, and more than 50, 50 days after another feast, but 10 days before that, we know the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven before the eyes of his disciple, and, and now it's a 
Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church with great signs. And the people are wondering about these signs, which they saw and heard. Pentecost signs of a loud wind, of flames of fire, and of people speaking different languages. And they say, what's going on? What is going on? And they gather together. chosen for a special task. To 
Holdsworth, and I think 60 years ago today, Elizabeth II was crowned, but she was also anointed Queen of Scotland. She was anointed as the Commonwealth. She was a devout Christian woman who had herself shielded from the cameras when she was anointed by God of people wrote that the way that Justin Trudeau became leader of the Liberals, they called it an anointing. One chosen and appointed by the back room of the party, and then with the fan base of the country, became liberal leader. That's anointing. One who is called and ordained, in those case, by the people, queen, by God, to lead the people. One who, like Moses or David or Hezekiah or Solomon, would be a great leader, a mighty king. God's people were longing for a Messiah, a king, a savior. And Peter says in his sermon, Jesus of Nazareth, that's him. That's him. That's the one you're longing for. The scripture points to one greater than David, to Jesus. This Jesus, Peter says, this Jesus, God has made both Lord and just get a new idea, but get a new kind of mind, get a brain kind of mind. Turn your life around. Get off all your dead-end streets. Get off the wide road that leads to destruction. Get into the narrow way that leads to life. Peter preaches, turn your life around and be baptized. Receive forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. Then our text, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Now we should ask the question, promise? What promise? Suddenly Peter's talking about a promise. Now remember, these are all Jewish people. This isn't people from all over the empire who are pagans. Sometimes we get that idea, Christians against all those nations, but this is Jews in the dispersion, and they've come to Jerusalem. These are the children of Abraham. These are covenant people. And they know the promise. They know exactly what promise. Their, their whole existence, their whole being, as they 
scattered people through the empire completely depends on the promise. Their identity as a Jewish people is wrapped up in promise. And the promise is this. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Genesis 17, 7. Be the God, your God, and the God of your children after you. The Jewish people know the promise. They know the covenant. They know what a covenant is. It's a, a, a treaty between two people, often between two nations, sometimes often between two kings, a, a greater and a lesser. Uh, and the greater king promised protection and blessing for the lesser king and all his people. And the lesser promised fealty and fidelity and loyalty of himself and all his citizens. It's a pact, a promise and an obligation. And this pact is initiated by God. He is the greater. And he promised great things to Abraham. He promised to be his God, to be present in Abraham's life. He promised him children and posterity. He promised land and property. Promised blessing and prosperity. And he included children. The yet unborn children through the generations promised to you and to your children. In Jerusalem that day and in Jerusalem, the people understood. All Jewish people know that the children are included. The idea of covenant with Abraham, the promise, including the children, was and is central to Jewish identity. And now, however, there's a change, a new and renewed covenant is being made. If you go through the Old Testament, there's all sorts of covenants and renewal ceremonies. Time and time again, when the people of Israel are brought together and the promises are granted and the gospel and the covenant is laid before them, now there's a change, no longer circumcision, but baptism. Infant boys had been circumcised up to this point. Now baptism is the sign. The children are still included. In, imagine this, okay? If we have a sense of the Jewish identity of promise of included children and grandchildren through generations, imagine that Peter is standing there at Pentecost on that day, and he says, now the promise is to you, but I'm sorry, your children are no longer included. The Jewish people would have said today, you're crazier than we thought. We thought you were just drinking people. That's what the people said when they heard the people speak in tongues. And they're drinking too much. These people have been drinking and they're babbling. Now, they're not drunk at all. They're, you're out of your mind, Peter. Of course God includes the children. We are the children of Abraham, the children of the promise. And Abraham's God is our God, and the God of our fathers is faithful to us. To illustrate this, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a made-up story, okay? I want to make sure that you understand this is a made-up story. It's January in Ontario, where I live, and it's Sunday. It's afternoon church. My wife and I invited a couple over for Sunday dinner. We've heard their furnace has died. 
church. There's a freshly made apple pie ready to slide into the oven. You'll be warm and safe from the winter. Who could resist? We drive on down from church into our driveway, and we unstrap the little ones from the booster seat and the little baby in the car seat, and we ring the doorbell, and the snow is flying, and I look and see three little children bundled up against the cold, and I say, I didn't invite these children.
sign and the seal because God's promises come to them as children of believing parents. Parents who have and do repentance and who do believe. The promise is to you and to your children and to anyone who hears them. Peter says to those who are far off. Imagine standing there in Jerusalem looking at Peter that day. You're a pilgrim. says the promise is to you and to your children and you feel and experience the love of God in those days and he embraces your whole family in love. Just believe, just believe that there are promises of God for the promises to all parents and children but more also to those who are far off. These are pilgrims. They've left their family behind. They've come from the far reaches of the empire. We read it in in verses 9 and 10. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, that's the fertile crescent, to the east, what's now Iran and Iraq, and then Judea on the very near horizon and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, that's Turkey, reaching into the north and into the west, Egypt and the parts of Cyrene, Libya near Cyrene to the southwest and Africa, visitors from Rome, the compass points to far reaches of the Mediterranean, both Jews and converts, didn't matter. And then he says, amazingly, Peter, Cretans and Arabs. Cretans are the pagans and the Arabs are the other sons of Abraham. It's not just the Jews of the whole world. These sons of Esau, these sons of Ishmael, also goes out across all distance and race to all whom the Lord our God calls. And how does he call? How does God call people? By the preaching of the gospel, by the preaching and the declaration of good news. And what does he call? What is the call of the gospel? It hasn't changed for 2,000 years. He calls you to repentance. He calls me to repentance. He calls me to faith and you to faith. Turn your life around. Do it today. Don't delay. And who does he call? Not just those who are nearby, not just those who are on the pilgrimage that day, who heard the preaching that day, not just to those people's children, but to all who come into contact with the preaching of the gospel. Each one of us today. So brother, sister, if you are on a track heading away from God, Today, now is today. Turn your life around. Get your life in harmony with God's will and His word. Bring your life, each one of us, let us recommit to that, to bring our, our, our life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ in obedience and faithfulness to Him. Repent. Repent. And believe the sure promise of God. This is the promise, that your sins are forgiven that Jesus Christ, death couldn't hold him, 
rescued from the agony of the grave, that in this Jesus of Nazareth, God has made things right with God. That Jesus has made things right with God for you and me and in our families. And so we respond with faith. And one of the ways we do that and have done that and will do that again is we bring children to baptism font as an act of faith, of believing the sure promise of the gospel that God is God and his children from the penalty of sin and the power and ultimately we're going to glory